Welcome to the Recharge Your Life podcast with me, Dr. Carrie Ulrich and Kelly Gunther. We are thrilled to talk to people who have made a decision that recharged their lives. Often they push themselves out of their comfort zones and took risks. We want to know about that decision point. Why did they make that decision? And most importantly, how can we learn from them? Kelly and I are passionate HR professionals, and together we co-founded our HR consulting firm, Abrachi Group. We have talked to amazing people throughout our careers and listened to them as they made decisions that changed their lives and knew that these inspirational stories would help others. And why did we call it Recharge? It's based on a book I co-authored called The Way of the HR Warrior, and in it, we have a leadership model, CHARGE, which stands for courage, humility, accuracy, resiliency, goal-oriented, and exemplary. We know that people used one or more of these qualities to help them make their decisions, and we want to learn from them. Now, sit back, listen, and be inspired by these stories, and then do something to recharge your life. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. It's Kelly. We're so honored to have Raymond Kemp Sr. as our very special guest. Raymond Kemp Sr. is a highly experienced senior executive in leadership and human resources. He's an accomplished, results-oriented, forward-thinking organizational consultant with over 10 years of experience at the highest levels of the U.S. Navy, improving organizational strategies, increasing operational excellence, and boosting the performance of teams and employees. He represented the U.S. Navy at the NATO International Senior Enlisted Seminar, which included briefing over 200 military leaders from African and European nations on leadership development and the value of cooperative agreements. As an inspector general, he mentored over 300 junior executives monthly in leadership best practices and ethics at the Naval Leadership and Ethics Command in Senior Enlisted Academy. He spearheaded the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell through face-to-face discussion with every crew member under his command for the purpose of building trust and resilience. Throughout his career, he's completed combat deployments in the 5th, 6th, and 7th Fleet Areas of Responsibility and participated in Operation Desert Storm, Operation Restore Hope, Operation Southern Watch, Continue Hope, Sea Angel 2, Iraqi Freedom, and Enduring Freedom. Fleet Master Chief Kemp's personal qualifications and awards include the Enlisted Surface Warfare, Enlisted Aviation Warfare, and Enlisted Information Warfare Award, two Meritorious Service Medals, four Navy and Marine Corps Commendation Medals, three Navy and Marine Corps Achievement Medals, a Combat Action Ribbon, and various unit and campaign awards. But most importantly, you're on our podcast, which is the most amazing achievement of all, right, Raymond? That's right. Thank you very very much for the introduction. So, So, Raymond, we always like to start our podcast by asking, what show, podcast, book, or blog do you go to when you want to push yourself and expand your thinking? Right. Thank you for asking the question and thank you for having me uh, on the show. The Booker blog. So for me, there's two books that I like to lean on and one blog. Uh, the book that I probably go to the most frequently, shortest book actually, is called As a Man Thinketh by James Allen. And there's just some deep, deep wisdom in there that when I find myself seeking to increase my own belief and increase my own creativity, I'll turn to that book probably most often and grab a uh, a sound bite from there or you know a couple of pages or a page even really and I can get my tank refueled there. The the other book is called Execution the Discipline of Getting Things Done 
And there's a couple of chapters in there too that are very, uh, very encouraging. And then lastly, the, <laughs> the, uh, the podcast that I go to is the quote of the day show by Sean Croxton. It's about mm, no longer than 12 minutes long. And it's usually, you know, filled with uh, great nuggets uh, from very established people. Hi, Raymond. Thank you for joining us. As I was, as Kelly was reading your bio, I thought, wow, that's what someone who hasn't done much in his life sounds like. <laughs> like, like, I'm just thinking of your kids. Your your kids are like, well, I've only gotten one medal, Dad. You're like, well, that's okay. I mean, I have like double digits, but you know, you can try, kiddos. <laughs> I, you know, I, every now and then when we go someplace, the, the children, people come up and they'll say hi or whatever, and they'll look at me with that very inquisitive look on their face, and they'll say, "You've got no idea who that was, do you?" It's all saying, yeah, I think I do. You're like, no, you don't know, Daddy. Come on, you know everybody, but there's only one of you. And so it's, uh, I don't know. I, I, I hope that they're encouraged by uh, the career. Yes. Well, I would say, but if, if they're at least typical kids, and Raven told us he has four children, there's got to be a couple who are not impressed at all, Raven, that they're like, that's just dad. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, he has all that, but he's just dad. He's kind of, he tells dad jokes or whatever. Right. <laughs> exactly. The youngest is is all the way that. I yeah. mean, all the, she's like, whatever. And I'm like, but I was with the Pope, whatever, dad. But Benjamin Netanyahu? Dad, you know, how about dinner? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, I love it. I'm with the Pope. I met the Pope. I don't care, Dad. Like, right. I got stuff going. I'm watching TikTok. So <laughs> I don't have time for you, Pops, what you're talking right. about. Yeah. Um, thank you for sharing. I love the, the podcast quote of the day. I'm going to have mm -hmm. to look up that one. But tell me, did you say, as a man think it? Is that, was that the title? Yes, as a man think it. I haven't heard of this one. I, I've heard of Execution. It's one of my favorites, too, Raymond. Yeah. But what what is the the quote or the chapter or the page when you go there to you said to refill your tank like what are some of the insights that it gives you that you're you feel centered again from that right. book well i think that in in my life it has been very important for me to have my hand on the thermostat of my attitude very mm. very important and so uh, one of the the portions of the book is called visions and ideals and it, it allows me to not feel bad about dreaming big. In fact, one of the quotes mm -hmm. goes something like, um, he who chooses a beautiful vision and a lofty ideal in his heart will one day realize it. Mm -hmm. And so for to have a, a maintain a solid attitude uh, and an elevated attitude, then I have to realize that um, there'll be challenges along the way. But as long as I persevere, press hard, I can still get to whatever that goal may be. And so uh, just nuggets like that are just filled within this really, really small book, but absolutely uh, influential. I, I'm going to steal the hand, how you said, hand on the thermostat of my attitude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that is super important. Oh, that's the only thing you can control. You right. can't control anything else around you or other people, but you can control how you react to it. Mm, very and much. That's so true. Yeah. And so, and I, I wanted to say too, I wanted to ask you about that dreaming big. Did you mm. ever feel that people weren't encouraging you to dream big? Like, did you have to kind of push through that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Maybe. Absolutely. Yeah. I would love to hear kind of your insights on how you push through 
that some of that dreaming big and people telling you not to. Well, you know, even uh, so as a young person, you know, admittedly, I was born in the sixties, raised in the seventies, and I was born in the great nation of Texas, but raised in Oklahoma. And there were in the seventies in Oklahoma, there's a high level of uh, racism that was going on. And mm. I was born to a single mom. You know, my, uh, my father wasn't, my biological father wasn't in my life. And so, uh, many occasions I, I had teacher, and so just kind of extend that. So in elementary school, I went to this Episcopal school in Oklahoma City on the west side. I'm very high in school, not really sure how my mom was able to afford it. And then we moved to the east side of town where there was where I attended an all black school. Now, the elementary school I went to, um, again, it was just me. I was, I, I learned early in my life what it's like to be the only one in the room. I'm mm-hmm. talking about black one. I don't know if you know, but I'm black. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would, um, go to school and I, I'm the only one there. I mean, not the, uh, yard guy, not the, none of the teachers, none of the priests that were there, not the mailman, just me. And I remember one of my teachers one time telling me, you know, you're not going to be anything when you grow up, you're going to be mm-hmm. just like your dad and you don't even know who that is. Mm-hmm. And so that was, um, my introduction to people trying to, you know, throw, um, you know, shade on my light. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, or, or to, you know, water down my dreams or trying to fit me into a box. And my mother, I was raised by a fierce angel too. My, my mother and my grandmother, whoa, they were, they were amazing, amazing women. And um, my, both of them encouraged me in their own way. My mom was you know, really more fierce towards me where my grandmother was more more loving, but they both encouraged me to believe that if I had the right attitude and I tried my best, I could attain whatever I wanted. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, it was having a lofty dream, especially when other people were looking at it was uh, part, has been part of my whole life. Mm. And now look, you're, you look at that teacher and say, did you meet the Pope? (laughs) Yeah. I don't, I don't think so. And so I just, I appreciate, thank you for sharing that because I think there are so many people who are told that their dreams don't mean much or they can't achieve them. And when you said throw shade, I was like, that was, that was a bomb versus shade, you know, like shade could be a little fun or like I throw a little, that teacher, that was a a nuclear uh, bomb that they, that the person threw, because that was horrible to say to you. Um, But what, how you persevered and how you had people in your corner and and still still kept your dreamer status and just that that love of the goals and look at everything that you've accomplished. So thank you for sharing that. So sure. that kind of goes into the big question of what is the decision that you made in your life that changed the trajectory of it? And what are some of those charge qualities that you used to make that decision? Mm, yeah, so I, well, I would say one of the biggest decisions of my life was uh, joining the Navy at 17, you know, right out of high school. I had to have my mom, uh, sign the, the paper. You know, mm-hmm. interestingly, I said she was a, she was a fierce warrior. And, and uh, the one time in my, the first time in my whole life that I remember her ever crying was when I would leave the day I was leaving. Um, because she was, you know, concerned for me and, and, you know, how I was going to be her 17 year old boy is, much of a uh, rabble rouser as I was, uh, was leaving home. And so, uh, but that decision to join, um, things could have been a lot different uh, if I would have stayed at home. But but once I was in the Navy, I mean, there were a, a couple of decision points, but one happened in the very beginning. So in, in, in America, there is a, a word 
that is so polarizing that we don't even say the word. The word is so polarizing across the entire socioeconomic stratus that we don't even say the word. We just say the letter that the word begins with. Mm. And when I joined the Navy, uh, it was 1986, and I had made my way you know, through uh, boot camp, which was super hard. Uh, my first time ever seeing uh, somebody w- that wasn't black, white, or Spanish uh, in my life was when I went to boot camp. And my first plane ride, too, as a matter of fact. But anyway, um, I get to my first ship uh, on the 8th of August, in, I mean, the 8th of October um, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And I was going in to meet the person who places you in your, your work position uh, on the ship. And I, I joined the Navy to be a data processing technician, mm-hmm. um, information systems technicians or technologists, I guess is what they call them now. But so I get there into his office. I go in. He's got the uh, flag that um, burn orange and cream flag of the Texas Longhorns and the Confederate flag are hanging behind them. And so I, I, I um, walk in there. And he says, he's got my file out. And so he closes it and he looks up at me and he says, so you think you're pretty smart, huh, boy? Mm. And I look back at him and I was like, Dude, you're looking at my file. But I look back at him um, because he's a really, really senior person, a master chief, actually. I look back at him and I was like, well, uh, I was top of the class and I chose these orders because I was top of the class. Which I knew he knew that because it was in my folder. And he says, well, let me tell you something. We, I don't allow no insert word, mm. in word, in my computer room. So you are going down to S8. And so S8 was the supply rehabilitation place. But what I said to him was, mm, okay, so, so where is S8? Because I was taught by my mom and my grandmother that, you know, words really, really don't mean much. Uh, it's the actions that go along with those words that oftentimes define them. And so, uh, again, raised in Oklahoma in the 70s, I had heard that word super frequently and was totally not offended in any, any way, shape, form, or fashion. And so I said, well, okay, well, where do I go? And he said, you see that boy sitting out there by the, by the, de- by the door, you ask him, he'll tell you where to go. And so I stepped on out of there. Well, when I went to uh, the supply, and so Supply is a department on the ship. It's an aircraft carrier. And the division where I was assigned, we were responsible for, you know, pulling tile off the deck and uh, painting walls and changing light bulbs and lots of manual labor. Very, 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 very different from what I had gone to school for. Um, But the thing is, you know, I joined the Navy with the intention of doing 20 years and then going back to Oklahoma. And so when he told me this and he treated me that way, um, it was it was a bit of a blow. But I mean, I had a plan to finish and I didn't want to let my mom or grandmother down. Um, But when I get to the division, you know, what he thought was going to work out for my bad actually worked out for my good because I saw all the other blacks that he had sent down there and. I saw them at many different ranks. And so I was like, shucks, well, if they can make that rank, because you have to make E5 to retire in the Navy. And that was my goal. Um, if you make, if, if I see these other people who are wearing E5 look like me, shucks, if they can do it, I can do it. And so that was the, the, the chat, the first challenge um, within my career. But the decision 
to press on towards my goal in spite of what he had said was what changed the trajectory of my life, the, the trajectory uh, of my life. And t- t- so being courageous enough to press into the unknown was, I, I think, one of the, the charges that I used to, um, ha- to have the humility not to, you know, run my mouth reckless and talk back and say, hey, this is 1986. Why are you using that 1966 language with me um, was important. Uh, and, and and then certainly, you know, to be uh, resilient, because I'm going to tell you what, when it rains, it pours. And it was raining uh, quite frequently early in my career. Uh, and then, of course, I'm goal oriented. Um, and those goals have uh, changed a lot over my life. Um, the first to be an E5 um, and then, you know, make it to the 20 year mark so that I could retire. And what that turned out with it within my career, at least, was uh, not only did I make it beyond E5, I made it to the 33 year mark. Um, and when I retired, I was the most senior black person in the Navy. So, I don't know, it worked out in my favor. <laughs> it, it worked out. Um, right. I it just was thinking of how we talked about the hand on the thermostat of the attitude. Mm. Boy, did the Mm. universe put lots of ignorant people Mm. in your way that you really had to control your head. That's what I kept thinking about as you were telling the story, Raymond, of how you had at such a young age too, had to go, "Uh uh-huh, longer goal, going to be resilient, not going to take the bait, not going to, like, I'm just not. And- how, like you mentioned your mom helping you, but what else, like, were you able to take this onslaught of just ignorance and go, mm-hmm. uh-uh, I'm going to emerge from all this manure. You're like, oh no, you're not going to take me down. I'm going to emerge and I'm going to be the highest ranking um, uh, black man in the, in the Navy. How, how, like, I just go, how, like, I know your mom, but what else about you and the way you look at things that you're able to, to, uh, keep you, manage yourself and your own thermostat. So as it didn't right. get you the best of you. Well, I, I think what happened for me, a, a couple of things is that, you know, by nature, you know, my, my why is my, my, I guess if you look at it as a, the why, how, and what, right. My, my why is a better way. So I'm very naturally looking, um, for a better way for mm. things to happen within an organization, um, and, and even for myself, that's not just business. Um, I challenge just by nature, you know, I, I challenge, uh, the status quo and, and I challenge traditional thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember just a super quick story. I was sitting in a, a Volkswagen and my mom bought this brand new Volkswagen 1972 super beetle and we're sitting <laughs> at a light and we get hit from the back and it's new. So she hops out of the car wheels on back there, talks to this white guy who's driving the car, who stayed in the car while she was talking to him. Again, this is 1972. So uh, probably more like probably 1973. But anyway, um, she hops back in the car and I'm standing in the the front seat or standing on the floorboard of the front seat on the passenger side. And uh, she goes, hmm. Well, apparently I rolled back into him. (laughs) (laughs) But it, it showed me at a very, at a very young age, don't be a punk. You know, if you think something wrong, say something. If mm. you think that there's something that's not happening the way it ought to be, then question it. 
Um, mm-hmm. And then I, I'm, I'm also, so that's my why, my how, my, my what ultimately is I, I contribute. You know, I, I make things better, uh, if not for myself, for people, and if not for me and, and for the era that I am in that particular situation down the road, it will end up being better. And so what happened for me and the, the, the way I was able to you know, endure this onslaught of nonsense mm-hmm. um, was one, my internal beliefs. Uh, and then two, it just worked out where there would always be somebody else who would I could kind of latch onto and either draw some synergy um, or, you know, get some momentum from. And there's other times in my career, plenty of times in my career where I was enduring something like that, even my own stinking thinking. Right. So Mm -hmm. I thought that this advancement process that we had in the Navy was um, slighted and and it was um, set against, you know, black people and black people can't get advanced and so forth. Because I didn't one, I didn't see many. There was no evidence, no visual evidence that black people were getting advanced in my career. Um, But. Uh, I also thought, you know, that the quote unquote, the man or the system, you know, was set up to hold me down. And early in my career, somebody was like, man, that's some BS right there. You can overcome whatever, whatever you go up against. This is a meritocracy. And so the harder you work, it'll work out in your favor. And there's guys, his name is um, Anthony Harps. He's actually the librarian at the Naval Academy now. He said, man, you might be the one who makes it. And what he was talking to talking about was actually making uh, making up to the rank of E seven, and you know things things worked out in my favor. So a number of stop points in my career, there was somebody like Anthony Harps who gave me some encouragement. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I would say another big change uh, in my life was with Fred Hyde. Um, he was a mentor before we even called him mentors, uh, and he said to me, "Look, the Navy's done all they can do; the rest is up to you." So. You need to work harder and get more agile in your studying process so that you can make it to the next rank. Um, and the next thing you know, I did and made it to E9 and Fleet Master Chief. And you know, as they say, the rest is history. Yeah. I, I, Starting with your mom and your grandma, you've had these mentor. Now we have the word for it, right? Mm-hmm. But these, these significant people in your life. And there's so much research that shows just one person changes uh, a, a person's life. So that kind of that mentorship, that person talking to you, the librarian can help shift your, your life. I want to go back Raymond to the decision to join the Navy. Was that an easy decision for you? You were young. Like you said, your mom had to sign off. Right. What, what were some of the, the, the thoughts that were going through your head in, in deciding to join the military? Well, for me, I had, I had a really tough time uh, in elementary school. Um, I, I, I was failing a lot. And by the uh, time I got to high school on the east side of town, um, then I had a really good, challenging um, teacher, you know, who helped me understand that if I study, then, you know, that process really works. <laughs> you study, you learn, and you can test well. Uh, and so I ended up being a really good high school student. However, I really didn't like it. Um, and I was a good athlete and I had the opportunity for some scholarships and was offered some scholarships, but it wouldn't pay because my family couldn't pay. Um, it could, it didn't, it wouldn't pay for me to go to school. And I just didn't have enough, um, examples of how to do that, how to Mm -hmm. go to school, work your way through and that type of thing. I just didn't have that. And so my mother was like, well, 
you know, you got to work or you got to do something. And so uh, I chose to join the Navy and, and just be out of the house. And all of the, uh, the things that went along with, with living in that household, I was able to make my way out of and um, get out of my own. Mm. So, Raymond, we talked about that you have four um, wonderful children. So what advice do you give them? Because you have lived the life. I mean, you have been through so much. You have the highs, the lows, the shade, the bombs, the literal bombs and figurative bombs. Um, so what when you look at your at your four kids, what's the advice that you give them? Or when you're talking at the, you know, at the military academy and giving advice to leaders, what's what's the advice that you give? Oh, Raymond. Raymond. Uh oh. I was like, where'd Raymond go? <laughs> Raymond, are you there? Well, everyone, Raymond was there. Oh, here he comes back. Raymond? Nope. Oh, no. We could go on with Raymond for hours and hours, I think, Kelly. We certainly could. The stories and the, and like, holy smoke. Amazing. The people that have talked to him in horrible ways and how he's come through it. And then I want to hear all the stories when he met the Pope and all these other people. <laughs> well, and the ultimate, the ultimate being um, the most tenured black person yes. in the entire Navy. Like that to me is the ultimate mic drop moment. Yeah. That's the highest ranking, right? Yep. And, absolutely. Um, yeah. And so 33 years. Amazing, amazing, amazing. So, but Raymond's not back. So I don't know where Raymond went. I'm not sure so either. We're having technology issues. And I think we might have to have a part two then, Kelly. Maybe mm -hmm. we end it now and then we get Raymond back to talk about advice because I know people are going to want to listen to his advice. So maybe we should just stop now, Kel, and then hopefully okay. get Raymond back on mm -hmm. for the advice portion of our podcast because I don't think anyone wants to miss that. Sounds good. Okay.